Hey everybody, I'm your host and historian Felix Gibson, and welcome to my Phenomenal History Podcast. Today we will be covering topics about the Wet'suwet'en Pipeline Protest and its relation between environmental and economic factors, as well as the Indigenous rights. Throughout the podcast, I will be utilizing a historical perspective, as well as using continuity and change to better our understanding of the topic. Today's podcast is short, but very detailed, so buckle your seatbelts and get ready for an exciting one. To start off our first segment, I will be explaining everything you need to know about the pipeline, the Wet'suwet'en community, and the protests that occurred as a result of the pipeline. Starting off, the Coastal GasLink pipeline was a 6,670-kilometer crude oil pipeline that was being constructed by TC Energy. It initiated in early of January 2020 and was being constructed in northwestern BC. The pipeline became very controversial after it was approved to travel through a Wet'suwet'en indigenous reserve towards Kitmat, where the gas would later be shipped to Asian customers. It was a significant economic opportunity for Canada. However, it was also an opportunity for Canada to show that they cared about indigenous rights and the environment. Next up. We'll be speaking about the Wet'suwet'en Indigenous people. Starting off, there are two key groups that have political power in Indigenous reserves, and they are the Hereditary Chiefs and the Band Council. Firstly, Hereditary Chiefs have the authority to control and make decisions about the law in the reserve. However, on the other hand, the Band Councils control the territory in their own reserves. This system of governing and reserves in the Indigenous was created in 1876 after the Indian Act. This shows that the Indian Act still affects the Indigenous people today, even 150 years later in 2020. This is one of the many reasons as to why the Indian Act is so significant in Canadian history. Five of the six band councils in the Wet'suwet'en Nation have signed with agreements to the pipeline. After the controversy with regard to the pipeline and Indigenous rights, as well as environmental reasons, all led to anti-pipeline protests in support of the hereditary chiefs and band councils. These protests have halted train routes, ferry ports, and busy intersections across the country since late last week. Starting off our second segment, I'm going to discuss with you about the relationship between the environment, economy, and the Indigenous rights in this conflict. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau quotes, This is a critical moment for our country and our future. We can't solve these problems on the margins. That is not a way forward. Shortly after Justin Trudeau's speech, conservative leader Stephen Harper quotes, the weakest response to a national crisis in Canadian history. Standing between our country and prosperity is a small group of activists who won't rest until our oil and gas industry is entirely shut down. How do these quotes display the relationship between the economy, environment, and Indigenous rights? We can see that Justin Trudeau cares about the Indigenous rights and environmental factors, while someone like Stephen Harper seems to only care about the Canadian economy and not Indigenous rights or environmental factors. Despite both parties, the Indigenous people only care about Indigenous rights as well as the environment. If you were posed with what the decision to do with the protesters, what would you decide to do? Whilst I respect the Indigenous people and their rights to their land, if I was Prime Minister, I would personally not support the Indigenous because I think 
um, not supporting them would actually support them more. I would do this for the reasons including the economy as well as indigenous rights. The first reason I would do this is because of the economy. The crude oil pipeline means a chance to create jobs, increase Canadian exports, as well as promote convenience and safety for and TC energy and traveling of oil. I specifically say convenience and safety because the oil is going to be exported anyway. So why would I, as prime minister, risk an oil spill on the road make, and make TC energy have to use trucks just because I can? It just makes it much less convenient for the company. The second reason is to help the indigenous people. I say helping the indigenous people because most of the indigenous band councils did actually want a pipeline. If a pipeline were to be built through their land, it means that uh, groundwater would be undrinkable. While many would say this is bad, many of the indigenous people and reserves who do not have clean water will benefit from this because they will receive funds for water that they previously would not have. If you've made it this far into the podcast, all I can say is thanks for listening. Okay, so after listening to the episode number one, we can determine everything there is to know about the Wet'suwet'en Pipeline, hereditary chiefs and band councils, how the Indian Act still affects our society, and we learn about the relationship between environmental, economic, and Indigenous rights factors. Sadly, despite countless protests in support of the Wet'suwet'en tribe, construction of the pipeline is still underway.